What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara, and with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we're entering uh, week eight of the season. Uh, this past week uh, seemed to uh, be a little bit of a downer for the Pinal County uh, area. But let's dive into our game of the week, uh, which featured the Casa Grand Cougars taking on the Higley Knights. And unfortunately, uh, it was another losing effort for the Cougars as they lost 35-0 to against the Knights. Uh, what was your uh, takeaways about that game? It was upsetting watching that game and going through the sidelines and thinking back to what was said on the sidelines. And a lot of it was true. One of the coaches had mentioned that this was not a good team. And he was right. And we've talked about it ad nauseum that if it wasn't for this young stud of a quarterback, that Casa Grand could have actually pulled this one out. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that Casa Grand was a little bit flatter than normal when it came to uh, the type of tempo that they were playing at. It seemed like very early on, you could tell that something wasn't in sync. And I don't know if it was a lot of the injuries that occurred over the previous weeks or uh, being that they had a lot of guys playing on both sides of the ball and it could have been tiring them out early. But, you know, I know with Coach Wood's workout regimen, you know, these guys are built for that. But it's definitely a tough task to ask a 5A school for players to play on both sides of the ball because you're talking about some teams with 50, 60 kids on that roster that don't have to play both sides of the ball. And, you know, it seemed like Higley was a lot more refreshed in the second half than Casa Grande, being that Casa Grande was missing a lot of players. And I think that was the difference in the game. And it's going to be something to keep an eye on with Casa Grande going forward. Is this what the future of Casa Grande holds for you? I don't think this is what the future of Casa Grande holds. This was a definite sign that things were flat. I think, honestly, they didn't have uh, any sense of direction. They didn't know how to act after getting blown out by a really good 6A team. And now they take a really bad loss from a team that's in the same uh, region as them. And it just looks really bad, especially when they get blanked like that. But like you said, they had a lot of players on, uh, on both sides of the ball, and that could get exhausting. But the Higley Knights were totally beatable. That wasn't a game for them to lose. It was one for them to actually come back on. Um, Their defense actually started off very strong. We saw kids like Luke Luna actually pull it out and get three sacks early on and a couple uh, tackles for loss. It just wasn't really a strong effort offensively. But at the same time, I got to give credit to the Higley because they isolated Fatty and threw him way off his game because this was not a normal performance that we were expecting. Yeah, and uh, Castle Grant actually finished with nine sacks by the end of the night. I mean, in the first half, it was only 15-0. to zero. And so, you know, it was definitely, like you said, a game that could have been winnable. Uh, but let's go uh, into what Castle Grant has coming up uh, in the coming weeks. They're going to be uh, entering a bye this week, so they get a little bit of rest. Hopefully they can get their team healed up and ready to go for next week as they're going to take on what's turning into a very competitive Campo Verde team who sits at 3-1. And, one. and um, I believe, if I'm following Twitter correctly, I think I remember the Campo Verde uh, coach talking about how they have uh, two quarterbacks that they use uh, throughout the game. And this was a couple weeks ago, both quarterbacks were at about 700, 750 yards each. So, you know, something different that they're going to have to see uh, coming up uh, with Campo Verde. But I do hope that throughout this bye that they can uh, get things back in order. You know, I know it has to be difficult winning 16 straight games and then you drop your last two. I know that they're going to come out ready to fire uh, the following week against Campo Verde. I truly believe that this team is competitive and they will be for all four quarters. It's just tough when you're missing uh, quality players who are down either due to injury or eligibility. Yeah, speaking of eligibility, it did suck to get photos of DK, you know, as he was warming up. And then a little bit, you know, halfway through the first quarter, we're finding that he's ineligible to play. And it's just unfortunate. And and in a way, we're not calling you out or, or kind of throwing you under the bus. It, it's it And it's just unfortunate because it's a player, like you said, w- we speak very highly of. But this is definitely a, a call to everyone that should be very on top of where they are um, with their grades. Because if, if you're not paying attention in, in class, you're not going to be able to play on the field. It's simple as that. And 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 that's one thing I got to credit Coach Luna is that, you know, he's very strict on that, on, on 
how they perform in the classroom, you know, it pays on, on their playing time on the field. And it, it was just unfortunate. I wish that things were a little bit different, but we saw that offense struggle a little bit without him uh, lining up. Well, let's uh, continue on into our other 5A team, which was the Maricopa Rams taking on the Combs Coyotes. Uh, we had the uh, Coyotes uh, favored in this game, and they held to it, beating the Rams 49-23 to and now have won uh, two games in a row. It looked good, but early on, uh, the Rams were actually keeping up with the Coyotes, and it was actually very surprising to see, but very encouraging to uh, see the Rams. You know, even though they are winless this year, they're still fighting, and, and Combs is not a, an easy team to beat. We've seen them stick around with a lot of teams and, and even uh, beat uh, Bradshaw Mountain just a couple weeks ago. So just to see that Maricopa is, you know, continuing to fight all the way to the end of the season, those are good things to see uh, from a team that has been struggling all year. But there was definitely a lot of players to highlight uh, from Combs uh, throughout that week. Uh, What were some of the ones that you were thinking of? Like you said, a lot of their players come to mind. One in particular would be their quarterback, Tanner Hale. He went 16 for 24, had 286 total yards with six touchdowns, two of them being rushing and the other four being thrown. Uh, it was just an overall tremendous effort from the Coyotes. I didn't think that it was going to be that good of a game for them statistically when we were uh, keeping an eye on the score because, like you said, Maricopa was actually up on top, I believe, at halftime, which was very surprising. We're, we didn't know what was going on, but that, that's the second week in a row where Maricopa's like, whoa, you know, they're, they're doing their thing in this first half, and then, you know, unfortunately they come out in the second half and kind of, you know, lose their footing a little bit. Well, I think that might have to be uh, because of uh, Mr. Hunter Clare. Uh, he had uh, six tackles, three pass deflections, and three interceptions to end the night. And I know that his team was speaking very highly of his game because, I mean, seeing three interceptions in one game is very rare, especially at the high school level. But, I mean, he had himself a day, and, and I think that was the difference. The Coyotes' uh, defense helped make stops and even gave their offense the ball, you know, at good field positions quite a few times with those turnovers. So it's definitely a, a good win uh, for Combs. I mean, Maricopa, they're right there. I feel it. Like, I, I think they're going to get their win here soon as long as they keep uh, putting up performances like that and sticking with teams not just at halftime but till the end of the game. It's like, be careful because they actually might be the Santan Foothills of last year who uh, beat Vista Grande when we thought it was going to be this completely lopsided game and they snuck it out. You know, I feel that the Rams have the capability of doing that as well. But coming up for both the Rams and the Coyotes, they're going to be having buys this week. It seems like that's the trend this week as a lot of teams do have buys and and it's good. I mean, they can rest up for another week and and get things right because Maricopa will be taking on McClintock, who sits at two and three. Could be another uh, very good game for uh, the Rams to possibly sneak out a win in this one. While the uh, Combs Coyotes are going to be taking on 0-4 Ben Franklin. And I think that this is going to help benefit the Coyotes because then they'll win three in a row as long as they don't overlook Ben Franklin. But what do you, what do you think about these uh, two opponents uh, here in the next two weeks for the Rams and the Coyotes? Well, as far as the Rams go, I think they definitely have a winnable game coming up against the Chargers. The problem that they face against McClintock is that second half. Like I mentioned before, they need to come out just as fiery in that second half as they do in the first half. So that way they can play all four quarters and pull out a win. And it's funny that you mentioned them and compared them to uh, Santan Foothills from last year, how they came and surprised us from a game that should have been completely lopsided. And now they're making a season of that. But I think that Maricopa should actually pull this one out against McClintock. And this is a team that lost their last game against Notre Dame Prep 7-61 to and then ultimately bouncing back against Benjamin Franklin. Um, but like you said, Benjamin Franklin is 0-4 and that's who actually Combs is playing. So it, it, it kind of folds into each other. I think it's going to be good wins for both of them. Quality wins if Maricopa is actually able to pull this one out by a large margin. As far as Combs playing the Ben Franklin Chargers, that's funny, isn't it? That they're both the Chargers. I didn't even realize that until right now. But as far as Combs playing the Ben Franklin Chargers, that's going to actually be a really good matchup. I, I I look forward to the decimation of the 3A Bullies, and it was really good and refreshing to 
get a look at their record and find that they're 0 and 4 and the look on your face when you're like yeah that's because they're not playing 3A schools anymore that that was pretty funny <laughs> well you know i can't sit there and and give them credit when they were just being lower class teams but it's definitely showing now and i think uh, that combs is going to handle this team and pick up another victory i mean i don't see them being challenged too much ben franklin has been struggling all year and i don't expect things to change overnight for them so definitely have the coyotes way ahead when it comes to the point differential on that one all right let's talk about how vista grande did last week in their game against the rio rico hawks they ended up pulling out the victory 28 to 22 and that wasn't uh too far from where we anticipated was it no we uh said it definitely would be another good game another good uh quality opponent for vista grande and they actually played from behind and picked up a victory, you know. So that was very impressive to see what started off as an 0-2 team. We didn't know where they were going to be headed. They have now won uh, three in a row and picked up a victory where they had to come back from behind to beat the opponent. So I can say for the first time this year or for the first time in the last two seasons with Vista Grande, you're starting to see a little bit of consistency. And granted, it's against opponents that are middle tier, lower tier, but those are the guys you got to beat. And even though this was a tough matchup for Vista Grande, but they ended up doing it, man. And I'm extremely proud of, of those guys for, you know, being resilient, especially the way that the season started off. Now, do you see this momentum carrying into this week's matchup as they play Choya? I do, actually. I don't feel that Choya has been that competitive this year or even the, uh, last year as well. I think they were a sub 500 team, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, they were. And so, you know, I feel that with Vista Grande's momentum and that the way that they're playing is like, okay, they can beat teams and beat them decisively and they can also come back and beat you. I feel it's going to be another close game. Don't get me wrong, but I feel that Vista Grande will definitely have the edge this week. And if you're Choya, what's one thing that you can look forward to from the Vista Grande Spartans? I've always said Vista has quality depth, even though that they're young. They got 44 kids on that roster last time I checked. So you're bringing a team that has a lot of depth that can sub people in and out. And I mean, you saw that last year with the emergence of uh, Fernando Moya, that these kids can pop out of anywhere and shine, you know, if they're given the opportunity. So that's what you're going to see. You may not see consistency when it comes to the names and the players that are making the stats outside of uh, Darnell Castro. You know, that's a, a name you're constantly starting to see. Uh, and that's being because I believe uh, Fernando's still uh, injured, if I'm not mistaken. So you're starting to see people have to step up and fill in those roles. And it's it's just a lot of depth that they have. I think that's going to be the disadvantage that uh, Choya has is can they keep up with Vista Grande not being able to have to have guys play on both sides of the ball? And now they're going to have a couple of new additions because this is going to be game six for them. So those players that were actually sitting on the sidelines waiting for that transfer rule to, to ride on through, they're actually going to get to play in this game. So that's going to play a huge factor for the Spartans. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I actually forgot about that. And, you know, that might actually make Vista Grande even more dangerous. We saw what Sequoia Pathway uh, was able to do. And, you know, unfortunately, they had to take that loss in week one. But when they were full strength and had all their guys, their transfer guys playing, it was a different team. And, you know, you're going to start seeing Vista Grande. Uh, they got through these uh, stretch of uh, three easy games, as we would call them. And now you're getting your uh, team almost at full strength. You're still missing a, a few players due to injury. But with these transfers coming in, you know they're hungry, you know they're healthy, and they're just ready to step on that field and, and make a name for themselves. Yeah, I can't wait. Now let's talk about a game that was really surprising to us last week. AJ took on the Coconino Panthers and dropped this one 21-28. How surprised were you to see this final score? And what were your thoughts of what's to come for the Apache Junction prospectors? Was I surprised that the game ended that way? Yes, I was. I thought Apache Junction still had enough to end up picking up the victory. But am I surprised at the score? Absolutely not. Because we just saw Coconino last week take Post and Butte all the way down to the wire and ended up losing 29 to 28. They were leading that whole game. Speaking of uh, Coconino, now they're going up against a team that you know, I feel that Apache Junction and Post and Butte are so close. They're similar teams. And, you know, even though uh, Apache Junction utilizes the pass more over Post and utilizing the run, Coconino was able to execute on both. I think that was the biggest surprise is that Apache Junction 
was not able to pull it out in the end because I really thought they were. I don't feel like going forward, Apache Junction is going to back down. You know, I don't think that they're going to take this loss to heart. I mean, it happened. It's one game. Now you move into their game this upcoming week, and I know they got to be hungry for that one. But what were your thoughts uh, before we move into their next opponent? I was very surprised. I thought that AJ would actually be able to handle Coconino, not only you know, beat them, but, you know, beat them, you know, by a large margin. In the end, when I found out that they lost only by one score, it, it made sense. And then it showed what kind of team the Panthers were. And now I, I just look forward to seeing what Coconino makes of their season and what AJ will do in this next coming week. Like you said, it's going to be a big game for them. They're actually playing a team that they lost to last year in the playoffs in the first round in the Lee Williams Volunteers. They'll take on Lee Williams on the road this time. And what do you think that they'll have to do to pull out a victory against a team that, that beat them pretty badly last year? I mean, I think it's going to go through Isaiah Savoy and Gavin uh, Lamangelo because it seemed like they had a down week uh, this past week against Coconino. So you know that that team thrives when those two are balling out and then they include Garrett Garcia. I mean, I think that was the difference is that is that we're used to seeing Apache Junction put up a lot of points in this past week. Their offense uh, wasn't clicking. So look for those two guys to really have big nights, not only on the offensive end, but the defensive end as well, because they're they're both playing a little bit on both sides of the ball. But I think in order to beat a three and one uh, Lee Williams team, your offense has to get going again. And I think that would be the biggest part in this in this matchup uh, Friday night. What about yourself? Honestly, I don't know what they can do to prepare themselves for Lee Williams. This uh, this is something I'm uncomfortable talking about is how teams respond after losses. Because right now we're having a great deal of them and we're getting a good view of how teams are responding or not responding for lack thereof. And I'm hoping that Apache Junction can actually make something of the last loss they were dealt and go into their matchup against Lee Williams and pull it out. And I think even though uh, Apache Junction is driving all the way up to Kingman for this game, because that's where Lee Williams is located, Lee Williams has picked up victories against a 2-4 and four Wickenburg, Estrella Foothills, and North Canyon. All teams with two wins or less uh, this far in the season. And then, you know, uh, Wickenburg being a 3A team. So I think that they may get surprised this week because we've seen what happens when uh, teams play a lot of low-class teams and then you see them go up against an opponent that's at their level or maybe even higher because I do hold Apache Junction very high in this 4A uh, uh, division. But I hope that Apache Junction goes in there and tries to play mistake-free football and don't let last what happened last year interfere with what's going to happen Friday night because I know they're going to go in there hungry and they're going to want to avenge this loss from last season as well as the loss uh, that they had last week and just say, hey, we're still here uh, ready to do the damn thing. But either way, I think it's going to be a great matchup. Now, do you think that the wins that Lee Williams did pick up earlier in the season were substantial enough for them to prepare them for a team like Apache Junction? I mean, they beat those teams pretty decisively, you know, and we saw uh, Apache Junction uh, do that to Australia Foothills at the beginning of the season. So I don't think that it really plays a big factor, but it can make you get a little bit complacent because you beat these teams so badly that when a good team walks in, you might not be prepared. And I think that that's what Lee Williams is going to get with Apache Junction coming off this loss. All right, let's go down the road and talk about what happened or or what didn't happen in post-demute. Last week, they had a bye. And this week, they have to prepare for a road game against the St. Mary's Knights. And right now, St. Mary's is two and two, kind of where we anticipated they would be in the beginning of the season. And now they're playing a reinvigorated Post and Butte team. What do you think Post and Butte needs to do to go in there and take out the Knights? Do what they've been doing all year long. Run the ball and open up the pass and play good defense. Last week, uh, St. Mary's lost to uh, Canyon de Oro 24-8. And so I think that Post and Butte has just as good a defense as CDO does. And I think that that's going to be the biggest factor is um, their defense being able to stop uh, St. Mary's offense. And they seemed to struggle last week against a good defense and be able to just pound the ball uh, behind those uh, set of running backs they have uh, with uh, Gavin Thrower leading the way. You're starting to see their pass game open up a little bit. And 
I think that'll be the biggest thing for them is just play your ball game, you know, attack by the run, play good defense. And I think they'll have no problem picking up a victory. What about yourself? I kind of want to go against what you said when you said that you don't think that they'll have a problem picking up a victory. From what I remember of St. Mary's last year, whenever they played Casa Grande, that was a tough team. They were hard nosed. They, you know, they played hard. They, they hit hard. But I don't know. I think it's going to be a really tough game. I don't want Post and Butte to go in there and take them lightly, which I, I know they will not. But I don't want them to get beat badly by a team that we're counting, not necessarily counting out, but that they should go in there and beat with no problem. I don't want them to underestimate the Knights. I hope that they, they travel safe. They, they, they have a good preparation for this game. And buckle up because this is going to be that long stretch where it could be the road to the playoffs or it could be a road to mediocrity. And you don't want that second road, especially when you just came from a state championship game a year prior. You really think that Post and Butte is, is headed for a mediocre season? No, but a loss from St. Mary's right now in the season could be totally deflating for them and be a reason why they have a hard time piecing together wins in the in the next few weeks. See, and I, I don't agree with that one because I think that coming into the season, they were one of the best teams in 4A, or we held them to that standard. Their only loss came to a 5A school who just dismantled uh, the Casa Grand Cougars 35-0 they only lost to them by seven points I think that in my opinion you might be holding them to a little bit of lower standard on what they are capable of doing because these past three weeks I've seen them pull out a close victory against Coconino we know that that could have uh, potentially turned into a close game which it did and then their previous two games they won pretty decisively and I feel that they're actually trending up where St. Mary's you're still wondering about so but either way I, I agree with you it's going to be a good game I do think that Poston will handle them easier than what you think they will do I just worry about the atmosphere in St. Mary's oh I, it's, I, it's very crazy I know that that's going to definitely play a factor but let's talk about a game that we both wish we could have been at last week the Coolidge Bears hosted the Santan Foothills Sabercats for their homecoming game and lost a tough one to the Sabercats, 16 to 20. Um, this was a really good game for us because of the interaction we got from Santan after the game. And I loved it because I had a good conversation with Eli Fields after the game. And he was, you know, thanking us for the support and, and telling us that, you know, he actually loves the doubt because I counted them out. I was actually thinking that the Bears were going to hold their ground in this one and, I did and, too. and beat them. And, and they didn't. And turns out that Eli was a pretty big factor on why the Sabercats ended up beating the Bears. And I, I told him, you know, it's not a matter of doubting you. It, it's it's tough, to, especially in that position when, when you have two teams that, you know, we both follow going against each other. And you're just trying to think logically what could have happened. And, and, and I, I want to go with the Sabercats. If you look inside my wallet, there's a Sabercats debit card in there because I support them that much. But I asked him, I said, okay, you know, we're going to continue to go against you because, you know, that seems to be the, <laughs> the, the, the thing to do right now. But just by chance, if we were to go inside with you, would your team get complacent? Would your team actually be like, oh, okay, we already got this. You know, the varsity breakdown says we're going to get this. Are you going to take that positivity and, and, and be lax? Or are you going to go even harder? That was my question. Mm -hmm. And he didn't necessarily say that they would do either or, or, but that they're looking forward to, you know, proving doubters wrong and making this a season that no one will ever forget. And I know that this is definitely a season that I won't forget for Santan Foothills at all. Oh, you're absolutely right. You know, it was definitely a big victory for them, improving their uh, record to four and three. And I think I spoke about it last week. I said one of the biggest uh, reasons I gave Coolidge the edge was the ability to uh, pass the ball. Well, Santa Foothills almost completely shut down that aspect of the game for the Bears. And it turned out to be a lot closer game. And they ended up picking the victory up. And, you know, and it's not just the... Uh, the pressure that they were putting on uh, Gianni, but it was plays like Emilio Soto returning a 91-yard uh, interception for a touchdown. You know, it's things like that. It's uh, the fumbled snap at the two-yard line from the Bears that uh, Santan Foothills uh, recovered. You know, those different things that they executed on, they were playing from behind the whole second half, but they never give up on each other. That's one thing about that team. They never give up on each other, no matter who doubts them or anything like that. They're going to go and play four quarters of football 
And I think that that was the difference is that they know how to not give up on each other where Coolidge is the complete opposite. Once they get behind or once things go wrong, you start seeing the uh, shoulders, uh, you know, sag, the heads, you know, flopping down. And it just it's a different way of playing the game, you know, and I feel that if Santan Foothills, regardless if we go with them or not, if they can play that type of football where they're not giving up, they're not out of the game and, you know, the first half didn't go their way and still somehow pick up a victory. That's a good team, man. I mean, at the end of the day, whatever their record was last year, whatever their record ends up being this year, that's a good team. And I think that they were just dealt tougher opponents than uh, some other teams in that 3A Central. And, you know, that's why they have uh, three losses on the season. But I don't think that those three losses were like, oh, OK, yeah, this team is not good because I feel I can finally say that it, this team is one of the biggest uh, comeback stories I've seen since last year, since we started this. Yeah, and a lot of players attribute that to Coach Carlin. We we got a hit up about him, too, saying, you know, can we get a little spotlight on Coach Carlin? And shout out to Coach Carlin because he is a definite factor of what's turning around this young Sabercats team. He's had uh, the privilege of, of leading these young men for the last four years, and he's seen the fruits of his labor actually bloom right now, and it couldn't be at a better time. The one thing that... I'm really impressed with is like you said their ability to stick together and that's that's every team and I, I don't, I don't want to put them like oh man they're facing stronger adversity than any other team but their way of dealing with it I think that's one thing that Santan Foothills does best or is uh gives off the appearance of is that they're a really good proactive team where other teams seem to be reactive. Like like you said, the Bears, uh, you know, uh, have a bad play. They get down on themselves, and then they continue to trend downward. Where on the other side, when Santan Foothills makes a mistake, you know, they have, you know, their entire sideline hyping them up or, you know, you know, trying to keep their heads up and, and getting them prepared for the next play. And that's something that I hope can get turned around with Coolidge because right now they're in kind of this weird funk where, we don't know what's going to happen with them now. We're not necessarily counting them out. But if you're the Coolidge Bears right now, what do you do and what is your goal for the rest of the season? Well, first off, you got to get back in the win column. But it doesn't come easy, not in two weeks and not the week after. You know, they have a bye this week. Uh, so does Santan Foothills. But Coolidge has to come back and play Thatcher. Thatcher's 6-0. Thatcher beat Eastmark already. We know what Eastmark is. Thatcher's even better. And that's that's tough to say. I mean, you know, they sitting at, they're sitting at a spot right now where they have the potential if they can pick up one or both of these victories these uh, next couple of weeks. They could be sitting right there at the very edge of making the playoffs. But I think that they underestimate teams that they play. You know, Santan Foothills was probably a team that, like, oh, we beat them many times before. Yeah, they're having a good year, but we, we got this. It, you know, no no worries, no problems. And we kind of got the sense of that talking to players before the game when it was Friday morning and we're talking to some players about, you know, what, what they look forward to, are they ready? And some at some point, some of the Coolidge players seemed a little bit overconfident. And it's not like we were trying to check them or, or trying to knock them down, but we were trying to keep them, you know, notified that Santan was not coming in there to just throw a game. They were coming in there to to fight and steal one, that they just won a big game on their homecoming night. And I knew that they were going to go in ready to ruin Coolidge's that next Friday. Yeah, you know, I think we could talk about these two teams all day long, you know, and what uh, they need to do or continue to do in order to improve. Uh, Coolidge and Santan Foothills will be having a bye Coolidge will, uh, in two weeks, be taking on Thatcher, who's 6-0. and Definitely going to be probably the toughest game on their schedule this year. And I just hope that they can go out there and execute. You know, it's definitely a must win for uh, the Bears in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. Is it going to be a tough task? Absolutely. But we've seen the Bears be resilient. And I, all I'll say is, hey, it's time to play as a team. It's time to stop blaming each other. Get out there, line up. You know, all these unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, all these stupid, dumb penalties that are occurring throughout the game, it's only going to hurt you. This time, it's not about showboating. It's not about, you know, oh, look at me and what I'm doing. It's about, hey, if we want to make the playoffs, we got to win. And I know for those seniors, it got to mean something. You know, especially, uh, you know, somebody like Gianni, who's only played 
in two games this year. And you can almost say that, hey, his season might be over before it even got started. And, and you know, it's tough to see, but they definitely have to learn how to play as a team and not hurt their team by making dumb penalties. But uh, Santan Foothills will be uh, taking on Shadow Mountain, who's four and two. Going to be uh, another close one for them? No, not at all. It's not going to be a close one by any means. All the teams that they have beat are teams that we would consider lower class teams. Their first victory came against Tempe. Phoenix Christian was their, uh, their next victory. They played against Coronado. Independence, their last two games, they have lost to ALL West Foothills and Dysart. And then this week, they'll be playing the Odyssey Institute before they have to prepare for the Santan Foothills. I think by the time when Santan Foothills ends their bye, that they're going to be totally well-rested and going to take another win from a team that is pretty well-established in 4A and could actually do them some good in the, the 3A rankings. Let's move into uh, our next game, which was uh, ALA Ironwood taking on Eastmark. And uh, this one did not uh, end pretty. Um, Eastmark took home the victory uh, 57-0. to And it just seemed like it was just an onslaught from Eastmark. But what I've been hearing about Eastmark is that that they're a, a very aggressive team. You know, and I don't mean that by airing it out when you're up 42-0 to and stuff like that. I mean, like... They play physical almost to the point of being injected. Like I saw a hit from an Eastmark player uh, on Twitter against a ALA uh, Ironwood player. And I mean, in any other circumstances where replay was possible, like in college or in the pros, that kid would have been ejected. When, you, when you're having to play teams like that, and we already know Eastmark is damn near a 5A team with the amount of players that they have on the sideline. It, it sucks so much when you have a team like ALA Ironwood who's trying to hang on, you know, who's trying to get through this season, lost a lot of players, uh, you know, just to have to deal with something like that where the other team is getting really chippy even though they have the win in the bag. And, you know, I, I don't I don't understand it, you know, but that's the type of team you're going to play in Eastmark. They're not going to back down. I don't feel that ALA Ironwood got to really compete against uh, the Firebirds. And that's just being because of the amount of injuries that they accumulated over the week. But it sucks for me to see the Warriors in that position because, you know, they, they're so close from being a completely different team. You know, a point or two here and there, and, and you know, they're, they're sitting with one, two losses maybe. But, you know, what were your thoughts? Uh, I, I don't know if you saw that video. What were your thoughts of watching uh, Eastmark uh, perform? I saw that hit, and you're right. It it was a dirty hit. Um, not to call Eastmark a dirty team. They are a team that plays well-prepared. One thing that we've noticed for sure, we I don't remember his name. I'll call give him a code name. I'll just call him the QT guy. But we see a, a gentleman that stays you know on the sides of the fields actually scouting for them. And when you see a person like that. Well, let's clarify. Scouting as far as studying the teams in their playing mm -hmm. not not trying to recruit players i don't yeah, want to, yeah i don't want it to seem that way so but yeah i just wanted to clarify that but go ahead and you see him you know diligently taking notes that's something that i haven't seen from another team i haven't seen anybody on the sideline say hey where are you from oh i'm from a school that's not even playing tonight because that's where where we met him we're like hey you know who are you here covering um, both of them and we're like oh well who are you with eastmark and we're like oh Man, they're serious. And, and the fact that he's in this area means that he's a vital part to that team. And I'm pretty sure that he's giving them a lot of insight into their next matchup against the Florence Gophers. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it's definitely something new for me. That's for sure. And, you know, I don't I don't know um, why other teams don't do it. If what's going on is, uh, you know, within the rules, I, I don't know why other teams are not doing that. And, you know being able to send somebody that can uh, help them out, uh, you know, by studying another opponent or two. Luckily for ALA Ironwood, they do have a bye this week and and hopefully can uh, get some players back and be able to uh, compete against ALA West Foothills, who's uh, currently sitting at two and four. Uh, they've had a weird first schedule uh, to me. They played some very tough opponents, lost to a majority of them, but uh, also snuck away a couple of victories. Do you think that this is finally where... ALA Ironwood can get back into the win column, or do you see it siding uh, for uh, West Foothills? Well, just considering the dysfunction that the ALA Ironwood Warriors are facing right now, um, 
I don't think this is a good game for them to bounce back. I think that this is going to be a game where the Guardians are going to take advantage of the Warriors, see that their guard is down, and and possibly we don't know if Connor's going to be back or not because you know when when he went down with his hand, he didn't touch that field. You know, other than you know giving some encouraging words to his teammates, and and it's mad unfortunate if that if that was the end of his season right there, but. No, I think that this is going to be a, uh, well, not this week, but I think when they do play the Foothills West Guardians, that it's going to be a game for the Guardians to win. Interesting. I I really think that the Warriors, uh, they can play ball, you know, and they can stay in in games. Of course, I think they were overmatched last week, uh, and and that would be anybody that's going to play uh, Eastmark. But I really do think that if the Warriors can get healthy, they may be able to sneak this one out. So, I'm going to side with them uh, in the coming weeks, but, you know, we'll be able to bring that back up uh, after uh, this week's uh, games and and see where they stand. I mean, I hope they really do get healthy and and that their guys stick together and, you know, not give up on each other. I mean, we've seen uh, what what that can do for teams coming in uh, to next year. And I feel that if uh, it was uh, Connor's last game, uh, you know, whoever they got coming in behind him, uh, you know, for the future, hopefully he can get some reps and be able to see what he has. Uh, but let's move into uh, the Florence Gophers, uh, who had a bye last week, but will be taking on the Eastmark Firebirds at Florence. And uh, this is actually going to be our game of the week. This could possibly be the deciding factor for the 3A Central Region Championship. And you know there's going to be fireworks everywhere that night. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if the city actually got fireworks for every time when they scored a touchdown. This is going to be a purely physical match. I see Eastmark trying to do their best to silence Florence and their crowd because we know for sure that Florence is going to come in there and be a raucous crowd. Uh, Eastmark is going to be tough. I know it. They know it. Their their entire staff knows it because when we were actually enjoying ourselves on Friday night, we actually ran into a coach out at uh, the Galloping Goose as we were, you know, celebrating homecoming. And and one thing was for sure that they were not sleeping on Eastmark. He 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 had said it multiple times. We got to play our best ball. Uh, we've done well in the past, but we got to play our best ball. We're 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 not uh, riding off our past accomplishments. We're looking forward to what Eastmark is going to do right now, and we got to play our best ball. And we wish them all the best in that because, like you said, this is going to be our game of the week. It's going to be our first time being in Florence this season, and I'm looking forward to a very very competitive game. And I think it definitely will. I mean, I think the biggest thing coming into this matchup is going to be, can Florence stop the pass of the Firebirds? That's where they execute most is through the air. I believe uh, their quarterback has over 1,300 yards passing this year uh, with uh, 17 touchdowns. And that's one thing I haven't seen uh, from Florence yet uh, is how they do against a good passing team. We thought that was going to come from Coolidge. Obviously, it didn't. You know, it was a different ball game, but... I think that as long as Josh Jackson can continue to do what he does in the backfield and then having a Logan uh, Stenson uh, step up this week and and give a little bit more. You know, I know that he's more than capable of passing the ball through the air and helping his team drive down the field. You know, but I think at the end of the day, I'm going to have to put all the weight on the defense to be able to keep Eastmark out of the end zone. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a defensive battle. This is going to be something that them boys on that front line are going to have to withstand and actually just focus on getting to the quarterback. This is a quarterback that is very elusive, and they're going to do a great deal to protect him. Now, it's going to be the defense's job to keep an eye on this man, figure out his tendencies, figure out where he's going with the ball, and make sure you do your job to make sure that your offense gets back on the field. Well, I'll definitely be uh, excited to head out there on Friday night. But let's move on into our two-way teams with Sequoia Pathway knocking off uh, Antelope 64-6. to um, We both had expected that from the get-go. Uh, but Sequoia Pathway handled business again. And do you think finally this team being completely whole again is ready to trend into uh, the upper echelons of two-way teams? I think so. Now that they have all their their transfers back, they will need that, especially for this region competition that they'll be facing. And they're going to have some really tough games coming up. They're not all going to be Antelope Union Rams where you can easily you know, smack them 64 to 6. I know that Coach Donnie is going to have his boys prepared for this next game, but 
they're going to have to really, really take a good look at themselves and fight hard because the team that they're playing next is is what you said. They're an upper echelon 3A team. They're, they're on the verge of becoming a 4A team. And I hope that they use all their weapons, both offensively and defensively, to just compete with Sabino because we've seen Sabino in the past. And, and one thing that they've done so far is continually improve. Now, if you go back into their last game, they actually suffered their first loss last week playing the Push Ridge uh, Lions. Now, if you don't think that they're going to come into this game a little bit heated after losing their last match, you got another thing coming for you. Now, Sequoia has actually had their, you know, have had the deal with their uh, fair share of losses so far. And I don't think that a loss from Sabino is something that they want to put on their record. Well, let's remember that Sequoia had to pick up another game. And this is the game that they were dealt because ALA Anthem South uh, canceled their varsity season. So this is the game that they had to pick up. Either way it goes, win or lose, you know, and I will I will favor Sabino heavily just because they're an upper echelon 3A team. But I think either way it goes, this is going to help Sequoia Pathway as they get prepared to make that last push, not only for the region, but uh, to make the playoffs as well. And I think that it's going to allow them to have their strength of schedule improve where they're even if they lose, I think they might even bump up a couple spots just because we've seen that happen in the past. But the only thing I hope out of this is that this team stays healthy because, you know, it can definitely become a very hard hitting matchup, you know, on both sides of the ball from both teams. You know, don't don't let me sit there and tell you that Sequoia Pathway ain't going to come and try to light some of these guys up in, uh, from Sabino because they definitely are. We've seen what uh, type of aggression that they hold on that defense side of the ball. But I just think that Sabino, as of right now, they're just a little bit too much uh, for a team that's trying to be one of the top two-way teams. And so I do expect Sabino to uh, take care of uh, Sequoia Pathway, but it's definitely going to help prepare Sequoia Pathway for that last push of the season. Now, if any of you Pumas are hearing this, I hope you guys can take a, a little page out of Santan Foothill's book and use this as fire and actually take out Sabino. One thing I will tell you guys from my scouting report, number one is the truth. Cameron Hackworth is a dog. And if you guys don't maintain him or if you guys don't contain him, he will run all over you. Well, let's uh, wrap up with our last team uh, being the Santa Cruz Dust Devils, who uh, will be coming off a bye uh, from last week and going to be taking on a uh, region opponent in Arete Prep, who currently sits at uh, three and three on the season. Uh, this is an opportunity for the Dust Devils to extend their win streak to four games. You're playing a, a region opponent, I believe, that Sequoia Pathway beat. And, you know, I feel that now coming into the later part of the season, you're starting to see Santa Cruz and Sequoia Pathway like they're neck and neck. You know, I don't know who I will really hold above the other. And it's going to make for a good game at the end of the season. But do you think that the momentum that the Dust Devils are building with this three game win streak and just coming off a bye where they're well rested, getting healthy, can they continue that momentum and knock off Arreta Prep? Can they? Yes. Will they? Yes. Arete is not a team where they're in any position to bully Santa Cruz. This is a game where Santa Cruz goes in, shows their toughness, and beats a team that, like you said, Santa, uh, Sequoia Pathway has already beaten. Now, if Santa Cruz goes in and beats them heavily, this is going to be a game that's that's not only in our eyes, but in the AA might actually put Santa Cruz and Sequoia Pathway neck and neck. Well, either way, uh, you know, Santa Cruz is playing an opponent that has only scored 12 points in the last two weeks. They got shut out from Sequoia Pathway 54 to 0 and then just lost to Gilbert Christian 77 to 12. So I think that Santa Cruz will have enough to uh, beat Arete Prep, extend that win streak to four games, and then be able to play another easy opponent the following week, which they should beat on paper and set up a very, very good matchup between Sequoia Pathway and Santa Cruz at the end of the season. But, you know, it's still a very big toss-up. I still see three teams that could possibly uh, win this uh, two-way Gila region. Gilbert Christian has to be on the top of your list. Sequoia Pathway not that far behind. And Santa Cruz, you know, they're all neck and neck to be able to sneak away with this region championship. And like I said, why, why not Santa Cruz, you know? Why not Sequoia Pathway? They both have the goods to be able to uh, be that top team. 
it's going to be cool uh, to see if Sequoia Pathway can knock off Gilbert Christian and then come into that matchup at the end of the season. How big is that going to be when you have Gilbert Christian with one loss in the region? Sequoia Pathway undefeated in the region, and then Santa Cruz's only loss is from Gilbert Christian. It's going to make for a lot of possibilities out there, so we'll definitely be keeping our eye on that one. Yeah, the implications on that are going to be huge. Uh, So let's move on into our Players of the Week. And man, it was something so unusual for us uh, when picking these Players of the Week because we finally have a first, you know, and you guys will see what we're talking about right now. Uh, So let's move into our Special Teams Breakout Player of the Week. Who do we have uh, taking home those honors? This week's Special Teams Player of the Week goes to the Combs Coyotes kicker, Adam Jones. He went five for five on his point after touchdowns this week. And this is two games in a row where he had went perfect from his PATs. And this is also the first time where a player has won back-to-back special teams player of the week. The only person to win back-to-back awards this season other than Adam was Elijah Fields. And the great part about it is he's only missed uh, two field goals all year, two point after touchdown. So he's having a, a great season. And both of those came from the Coolidge game. But he, he's definitely on fire right now, as I think that brings him nine for nine in the last two weeks. So, mm-hmm. you know, great job, Adam. But let's move on into our defensive player of the week. And that's going to go to the Combs Coyotes, Hunter Clare. Uh, we actually got a nomination from him from uh, the Combs staff. They actually reached out to us and was like, hey, is there any way we can nominate a player? And, you know, I, and I like to see that, you know, because that's one thing we talk about is stats. We don't know if you don't upload them what that player is doing. And so for them to uh, sit there and say, hey, this is what this guy did. Can we make him a a nomination? And so we and so we uh, actually considered him. And I mean, his performance was amazing. He finished with six tackles, three pass deflections and three interceptions. So congratulations to you, Hunter. And I will give you the honors of doing our offensive player of the week. Who's uh, taking home that honor? Now that honor will go to Tanner Hale of the Combs Coyotes. He went 16 for 24, had 286 total yards and six total touchdowns. Like you said, a historical first for us. This was the first time that a team clean sweeped our awards and got the offensive, defensive and special teams player of the week. Uh, The Combs Coyotes are riding high right now. I think that this is a great thing for them and a good sign of uh, things to come for the Coyotes. And it's going to get really, really competitive here as the playoffs loom closer. Oh, without a doubt. And I'm definitely looking to see uh, more great things uh, from the Coyotes and uh, some of their uh, skilled players. Because, you know, these guys, their stats are always, you know, right at the top. And it's always tough to pick uh, just one player. I mean, I wish we can acknowledge more more of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, we said we're going to stick to one uh, player per category. And uh, the Combs Coyotes took home the clean sweep. But let's move on into the rankings and see where uh, each team stands at this point in the season. Uh, We actually are going to do something different when it comes to uh, which rankings we're going to go off of. Because with Max Preps and and AZ Preps uh, 365, uh, their rankings are actually different. And, you know, so we want to be as accurate as possible for you guys and utilize the resource of the company that's going to be making the ultimate decision on who's going to be making the playoffs. So we're going to be utilizing uh, AZ Preps 365's uh, ranking system and uh, everything that we're, uh, we're telling you will come from that website. So at this point in the season, they do not have their 5A or 4A uh, rankings available just yet. They will become available next Tuesday, October 11th. Uh, But in the 3A, you have Florence sitting at 7, Santan Foothill sitting at 13, Coolidge at 23, and ALA Ironwood at 36. In the 2A, uh, you have Sequoia Pathway sitting at 14. And for some reason, I don't know how they're down that far. Probably the quality of wins, who they played. Uh, But Santa Cruz is uh, currently at 27. Is there anything that surprises you or is this where you expected each team to be? No, this definitely surprises me. Two things that jump out at me. ALA Ironwood, they shouldn't be that low in the totem pole. I feel the quality of opponents that they've played should put them a little bit higher. And Santa Cruz, granted, they're not playing teams that would, you know, knock your socks off, but they're getting wins and big wins nonetheless. For them to be sitting at 27th and on the outside looking in when they won three games in a row, 
that's very discouraging. And, and it's really confusing to figure out what exactly reigns supreme. Is it the strength of schedule? Is it your win-loss record? Is it the opponents that you beat? Is it the opponents that you lost to? It, it's, it's really hard to decipher what is the upside for making it into the playoffs. So seeing that Florence, Santan Foothills are 7-13 and 13 respectively, they're almost a lock uh, as long as they win out of uh, these last couple of games. Coolidge sitting at 23. Is it time to hang up their season if you see them sitting there? You know, the top 16 teams make it. But even though you're ranked at number 16 doesn't mean you're going to make it. We've seen teams sit at 16 and a team that was below them made the playoffs. And, you know, that all goes back to with the 2A and 3A winning your region. Coolidge at this point does not have a chance to win the region. Do you think if they're able to pick up a victory these next two games, at least one, that they still might be in considerations? Or do you think at this point with where they're sitting, it's not looking very good? I think you got to have realistic expectations. Um, the chances of them making the playoffs right now, very, very slim. And and that's not, you know, me doubting or, or casting, you know, negativity on the Bears. This is me being completely honest. You got to think about the future. Right now, the season that you anticipated a few weeks ago or a couple months ago didn't come to fruition. Now... Your response is going to be everything. The season's not over. There's still three more games to go. You have two really tough opponents ahead of you. Don't bow out right now. Give them a run for their money. Like you said, take one of them. Take one of those wins. And I think it'll it'll help uh, their rankings if they can. I mean, if they can take both of them, sweet, because that's only going to bump them up even more. You know, I, I just hope that, like you said, they fight until the end. They fight until... They tell them, hey, you didn't make the playoffs or, hey, you're in the playoffs. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to make it. And that's always the fun thing to see when it comes to picking these teams for the playoffs. And going back to what you said about Santa Cruz, man, it's so unfortunate to see them that low, especially with them sitting at 500 right now. I believe they're going to pick up these next two victories against uh, Arreta Prep and San Pasqual Valley. They're going to be a team that at the end of the year who can possibly be sitting at five and four or even six and three and could possibly be missing the playoffs because of the opponents that they played against. And that's just so disheartening to see, you know, especially with Sequoia Pathway having to go back and forfeit a game and they're sitting at 14. And, you know, it's not to knock Sequoia Pathway because I think that they belong up there as well. But to see a, a team who's on a three-game win streak, and I know that those first three games, if they could have taken at least one of them, could have had them sitting higher. Uh, but let's go in and make our predictions uh, for this week's uh, matchups. We have Apache Junction taking on Lee Williams. I'll let you go first. I'm going for gold on this one. I got the Apache Junction prospectors getting this one. And I'll side with you on that one. I think Apache Junction uh, sneaks that one out. Uh, Post and Butte versus St. Mary's. Uh, you already know I'm rolling with Post and Butte. I think that they're going to uh, pick up a well-earned victory. I don't feel it's going to be as close as what you thought, but who are you going to side with on this one? Because at first it seemed like you were on the fence. A little bit. I, I, I didn't want to, to say that Post and Butte was going to run away with this. Do I think that they're going to win? Yes, they're going to win. But it's going to be a close one. So I, I got Post and Butte on this one, but St. Mary's is going to fight. All right, uh, Sequoia Pathway taking on Sabino. I definitely got to give the edge to Sabino on this one, and that's just the type of 3A team that they are. They're very good. They're very well disciplined, and they execute on both sides of the ball, and I just think they're going to overmatch uh, Sequoia Pathway, but I don't expect Sequoia Pathway to go without a fight. Uh, would you agree with me? I'm with you wholeheartedly on that one. This is going to be a, a really tough game for Sequoia Pathway, but you never know. Like you said, they have to go out there and play, and who knows which purple will prove to be the better one. Okay, moving on to uh, Vista Grande and Choya. Uh, I'm going to side with Vista Grande. I think that they're starting to uh, get the ball rolling and they're finally on the same page and are building that chemistry and consistency. And I see that continuing uh, this week. Same. I got the Spartans on this one, too. Santa Cruz uh, versus Arreta Prep. Uh, we both are giving a big advantage to Santa Cruz this week. Uh, with the struggles of uh, Red the Prep. And so if you don't have any objections, uh, we can move on into our game of the week, which is going to be the Eastmark Firebirds taking on the Florence Gophers. And you know I'm going to let you go first on that one. I know because you saw me rubbing my eyes. Oh, man. Um, man, this is tough. 
How about I tell you what my mind is telling me and what my body's telling me? (laughs) Your mind's telling you no, but your body's telling you yes? Yes, that's exactly what's happening. My mind's telling me that Eastmark is going to win this one. But my body... But my body's telling me that something inside of Florence is going gonna, is gonna to surprise me and everyone. They might be the team that wins the 3A Central region just by putting away Eastmark on their home field. This is going to be a really, really good game. And I got Florence. I got Florence. I like that. I like that. I definitely like the buildup, too. It was very nice. Now for me, I've doubted this team many times throughout the year. I hear from them every week, every time I run into them. You're still doubting us, you know, it's Coach Hart era. You're still doubting us. Being that they're at home, they got the crowd. They're on a six-game win streak. They got, you know, the momentum. They'll have us there. And they'll have us there, and they're 1-0 while we're there. So, you know, just saying that. Eastmark is a very, very tough team. They're very, very deep. But like you, I'm on the fence, and I know where I'm going. And for the first time, I think I'm going to surprise people because I'm going to get on the Coach Hart train and I'm going to pick the Florence Gophers to upset Eastmark and make them the front runners to be the 3A Central region champions. Now, I hope that you're right, bro. Like I hope that this is exactly what we're looking for. This is going to be a really, now I'm going to sound repetitive, but this is going to be a really, really, really tough game. Now, I know that All of the Gophers that we usually have conversations with are going to be totally prepared for this match. The one thing I do question is what is Eastmark coming into this game like? Are they respecting Florence and their record? Or are they coming in a little bit disrespectful thinking that, oh, these guys just beat Scrubs? Or are they coming in and being like, oh, man, this this is undefeated now. Do we we want to be that team? Of course we want to be that team to put the, the first loss on the record. But can they be that team? Or... Will the travels and everything else that's you know that sits on the other side of football is that going to be the roadblock that stops Eastmark from being the three A Central Region champions? Well, either way it goes, we're going to come find out on Friday night. But let's leave things there for uh, this week. Uh, it was a different uh, week for us, and uh, when it came to uh, preparations, as there was a lot of buys this week. You know, only I believe six or seven uh, games. Uh, going on this week so a little bit of an adjustment on how slow things were but uh, you know is there anything that you would like to close uh, with before uh, we wrap up the show before we go I just want to say shout out to the Santan Foothills Sabercats community Um, the amount of communication and how fast that relationship has been built with those players in that community it's been great and I really want to give a really big shout out to Landon Redmond because he he was really excited to hear what we had to say last week about our experience in Santan. And I know that, you know, if he's listening to this right now, he's probably, you know, up in arms like, man, they said my name. And and I, I'm glad that these kids feel that way because that's exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to give them a reason to to play hard and be like, maybe maybe this week they'll, they'll say my name or maybe this week, you know, I'll get some some uh, I'll get some recognition. And. I want you guys to know that I I relish that and, and it makes me feel happy for what I do. And, and I, I, I look forward to seeing you guys at our next Santan Foothills game. And I look forward to seeing what you guys do in basketball season, seeing what you guys do in baseball season, because now you guys are within our realm. And, and, and I'm glad that we added you on. Oh, I totally agree. You know, and I won't even uh, top uh, anything that you just said. You hit the nail on the head and, you know, it's been such an amazing experience, not only with Santan Foothills, but all the other schools that we're starting to get to know. And we still have, you know, four more teams to see uh, before the season's all said and done. And I look forward to uh, getting involved uh, with their uh, teams and their community as well. And, you know, being able to see who's going to be the next Santan Foothills. But I want to give a big congratulations to our raffle winners, uh, Andrew Ashford for winning the Arizona State versus Washington tickets, and Jamie Chico, who's always been a supporter of us, you know, since day one. Uh, she won the uh, U of A uh, Wildcats versus the Oregon Ducks uh, tickets. So congratulations to both of you, and thank you once again for everybody that participated and got involved in uh, this raffle. Uh, be on the lookout uh, for our next upcoming raffle, uh, which is going to feature 
tickets uh, for the ASU and U of A game, as well as uh, Cardinal tickets. And like I said uh, last week, we're still uh, getting those uh, finalized on which game uh, it will be. But just stay on the lookout for those. And I know you got a big announcement to make because it's starting to get a little chilly outside. And, you know, I know a lot of people have been asking about these. So why don't you let everybody know what we have coming in store here in the near future? Well, like you said, the temperatures are dropping. And one thing that will be going up is hoodies. We're going to be having some some hoodies dropping soon. I, I know that they're very limited in size and, and they are going to be a very limited run. So if you are able to see one of these hoodies available and it's there, buy it because they're not going to be up very long because these are very fashionable hoodies. And I'm actually meeting up with Ryan tomorrow to give him the sweaters. And, and I can't wait to see how these are going to turn out because he did great with our verse. He did great with our first varsity shirts, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with these ones. Oh, me too, man. I know uh, he does a great job, and it's going to be something exciting to see. I'm excited for another great week of football. We have a great game coming up. You know, best of luck to uh, both teams on our game of the week and to uh, the rest of our Pinal County teams going out there to battle on Friday night. But uh, if you ain't got nothing else, brother, I'll see you uh, Friday night in Florence. And I know uh, if you guys are listening out there in that community, give us the spot that we need to go to uh, to pregame and get a good meal before we uh, we head to the football stadium. Because we always like going around uh, the local community and trying different restaurants. So send us the location of the place to go in Florence and we're definitely going to go hit that spot up. But other than that, brother, it's been a great show and you already know what to say. Take it easy.